And it's often actually just like taking apart everything that the world told them to be so that they could become who they actually are. And I actually believe that's our sole purpose is to come into life as a soul and experience things and just be the USU. And, you know, we think that it's what we do or how we're supposed to heal or how we're supposed to affect others. I think it's very much about the soul has this mission to just be itself. And that's what I help people do. When you have a new opportunity, how do you know whether to say yes or no? I'm Andrea Neville, and I've been taught by spirit that when a new opportunity presents itself, I was guided there. And I'm Jessica Paschke, and I firmly believe that everyone is intuitive. Everyone. In this podcast, we share spiritual adventures. And we invite you to share yours as well. You can submit your experiences or questions to adventureswithspirit.com. We will give you specific tools and practices so you can navigate your journey with more confidence. If you find the answers helpful, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to be adventurous? Welcome Welcome to to Adventures Adventures with with Spirit. Spiritual evolution can look like many things. Sometimes it looks like we're going within to understand our spiritual journey, and other times it's about having the courage to unleash who we truly are, shining our light bright into the world. Our guest today talks about exactly this. She describes herself as a teller of truth and a dropper of F-bombs. We love her already. And believes in celebrating all the things that make you you. And we're really excited to chat with her today. Welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for having me and for creating the space for this particular type of conversation. It's going to be juicy. Oh, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you. (laughs) So we're going to just kind of jump right in. In one sentence, how would you describe your spiritual journey? We only have one word and it was messy uh, and maybe messy and unexpected. It certainly didn't. Uh, Ooh. It wasn't what I was planning on and certainly not how I saw my life unfolding, but it all worked out. So, you know, here we are. <laughs> I want to know more about that. I do too. I do too. So, yeah. so, so tell us, Serena. So I don't like the limiting question of who are you? What do you do? I just think that's very limiting. But just to give some perspective around this container that we've created, who are you in your current iteration? Oh, I appreciate that because, you know, if you asked me this two weeks ago, the answer might have been a little bit different, to be honest. Uh, I'm Serena Myers. I am a spiritual life coach by training. Uh, I am a transformation guide in practice. I work with women who are on the journey to becoming the truest version of themselves. And it's often actually just like taking apart everything that the world told them to be so that they could become who they actually are. And I actually believe that's our sole purpose is to come into life as a soul and experience things and just be the USU. And, you know, we think that it's what we do or how we're supposed to heal or how we're supposed to affect others. I think it's very much about the soul has this mission to just be itself. And that's what I help people do. I love that. We were actually just talking about that in um, a back to basics class in our spiritual evolution collective today about it's not what you do, it's who you are. And the youiest version of you is now going to be my my little tagline that I say in my head. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, right? Like it's, you know, we think that we're supposed to be these things or this is the definition of success. And most of us don't even define what that is for ourselves. And then we go and we tick the boxes and we get to the end of it. And I find this a lot with spiritual people, particularly if they find their path in like their 40s or 50s. 
they have ticked all the boxes and they're like, this is, this is supposed to be it. This is supposed to feel amazing. And how come it feels empty? And then there's shame and guilt and, you know, like I should be more grateful or I have this beautiful life. Why doesn't it feel good? What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. You've just built a life that you didn't get to define for yourself. Yeah. I think becoming just the truest version of yourself is like one of the greatest gifts that you can give to yourself. It's huge. And I love the way that you phrase that. We talk about intentions all the time, right? It, it almost sounds like they don't have clear intentions. So they they go through what people were telling them to do, thinking this is going to be my path, right? This is if I do X, Y, and Z. And I love that you bring it into the spiritual world because the spiritual world does it as well. If you mm-hmm. do X, Y, and Z, then your whole life is going to flow like magic <laughs> and everything's going to be great. And you're going to feel so much joy and you're going to be so fulfilled. And it's I think so it is all magic. It is all magic, but <laughs> I wouldn't say it's entirely joyous. Uh, no. <laughs> it's it's definitely, um, you know, if, if you look at spirituality on Instagram, it looks very different than what it is in people who are actually living on the ground doing the work. And, yes. uh, and I think what happens is because, I mean, I love that you guys have this theme for this whole season of your show because these conversations aren't happening enough. And then what ends up happening is when you have heard this story about how it's this beautiful, magical you know, un- unveiling, unfolding, whatever, the blood of blossom opening up. And then you're in the trenches and everything fucking sucks. And you're just like, what's wrong with me? I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not gifted in this way. I'm, you know what I mean? We start to create this story about how we're not deserving of a beautiful life or a divine connection or whatever. And it's absolutely not true. It's just that nobody told us before it gets really good or in between it being really good. Sometimes it's actually really shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the natural progression mm-hmm. is that messiness. Mm-hmm. So question, what did you think it was going to look like? <laughs> okay. So when I very, very, very first started my spiritual journey, I didn't think I was starting a spiritual journey. I was going for a weekend of ayahuasca ceremonies. And you're thinking, wow, Serena, how could you think that wasn't spiritual? Because I was naive and I was very much close-hearted, really guarded, really protected, like deep in my trauma. And I was just like in the corporate world. And I was trying to find new tools to understand myself better. So I knew about spirituality, kind like kind of, it felt a little bit new agey and woo-woo-y to me. So it wasn't something that I was like actively embracing, but I knew about astrology and numerology and things like that. These are things that I like, you know, I was talking to dead people as a teenager and and in middle school. So I knew all of these things, but it's really, I was so far removed from that. Uh, And I was looking for, you know, I'd been to therapy and I'd, you know, I'd looked at like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and things like that. I just looked at tools and I thought ayahuasca was a tool. So I thought I was going to go and have this experience of getting to, you know, tap into my subconscious in some way and that I could have it be very intellectual. It'd be something to understand and pick apart and separate and reflect upon, but not something that was going to be a complete shift in the trajectory of my entire life. Like within six months of my first ceremony, I left corporate and it all just kind of blew up from there in different phases, right? So I don't think I realized what embodiment meant. Like I I think even for the first, I'd say five to seven years, my spirituality was kind of like heart up, disconnected from root, disconnected from sacral uh, and solar plexus. There is feeling involved because heart's there, but it is kind of intellectualized spirituality. And where it started to get really powerful, but also a little bit harder, if I'm totally honest, was when it started to become really anchored here and really embodied and living it. So 
I can't even tell you what it was. I thought it was going to look like because I didn't think I was starting a spiritual path. I thought I was like learning a new tool. Joke's on me. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the joke is on you and all of us. And and I I like the way you put that and that really embodying spirituality is when it's it, it's all of you, right? Mm-hmm. When it's from the the ground, from the root, all the way up to the crown and beyond. And until then, it's just pieces. Mm-hmm. And you think you're doing it. Oh, yes. Because, because it is profound, right? And you are having real experiences. And if you came from this closed off place like I did, you're definitely having experiences very different than the ones you had before. But, you know, I think it was, how did I figure this out? I asked a question in my first ceremony, which was November of 2008. And I got the answer in December of 2020 <laughs> or something like that. And I was mad. I was like, why did you guys make me wait so fucking long? Like, why did you put me through (laughs) all of 12 years of fuckery? Like just to, and they just said, you know what? You wouldn't have been able to handle it. Like you could not have received this answer 12 years ago. It was impossible. But I was so frustrated and I felt like I'd wasted time, but that's because I'm buying into like, you know, that 3D story of, which is really just like capitalism and the patriarchy. (laughs) That's like, (laughs) do more, have more, work harder, like hustle, grind, whatever. And like, that's not our true, that's not what we came here to do. No, it's it's not this upward ladder. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and spirituality shouldn't be, even though it's often talked about as an upward ladder, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's an expansiveness, I think, that happens like a a flowing out, not a a climb to achieve something. And then I've achieved this and there, I'm done evolution is happening for all the days all the time <laughs> yeah i think it's more like a spiral to be honest because yeah. you kind yeah. of go around and then you come back and you're like i've already done this lesson why are we doing this again but then you realize <laughs> that you're doing it like three layers deeper and then you're yeah. like okay i've integrated this lesson you go back around the spiral and then boop, you're at the same lesson again you're like oh my god i can't believe i'm still here but now yeah. when i end up in that same lesson i'm like all right what, what's left to learn yeah <laughs> Yeah. Rather than being mad about <laughs> repeating the lesson, I know that I'm just here to learn it in a different way. And then it's, all right, what's next? I contemplate at that level. Mm. I, I, I dissect and I contemplate and I wonder how I'm showing up and what about the way that I'm showing up is impacting this in the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Notice I'm not judging. Mm-hmm. It may feel uncomfortable, but I'm always curious about why I'm choosing for it to be uncomfortable and for me to stay in that place. I find it very intriguing. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that you're using curiosity is so huge though, Mm -hmm. because if we're in curiosity, we're not in judgment. We're not in assumption. Mm -hmm. That's curious became like the thing I said the most in therapy for a while. Like every time I'd have this new (laughs) epiphany about myself, especially if it was really unflattering, I'd go, huh, that's curious. (laughs) And I would just sit with it. You know, when we use curiosity as a tool, we can go into places that would have been too uncomfortable to look at otherwise because our shame gets triggered or our fear gets triggered. And because we create a story or we've heard a story about that. But if we can kind of like go into it and just say like, all right, like like what's left to do here? Or what I like to see too when we have kind of those repeating patterns is where has this showed up in my life before? So even last night, I had a really, I don't tend to dream and I had the most like vivid, I could write, I think I wrote four pages this morning of this dream that I had last night. And I sat with it and I was like, that was really wild and like kind of messed up. What does this have to do with my life? Where have I seen these themes before? And like the different archetypes that had showed up, they were all things from like my mid twenties. So like right before my spiritual journey, interestingly enough. So my work now, again, through that lens of curiosity is what does the person I was or the things that I was working through in my mid twenties, like, what does that have to do with where I'm, where I'm at right now and what I'm feeling right now? 
And it takes you almost into like a new level of understanding because you're not just intellectualizing the things that are really present. And so therefore they're a little bit more activating. You're also able to see patterns and habits that you are repeating because there is more healing that's left to do. Yeah. And it's a constant unfolding, right? The healing mm-hmm. doesn't happen once. If it, only. It, if only. It'd be so much easier. Just the healing doesn't happen <laughs> once. The the pieces of the lesson happen, you know, isn't only once. It's It's the spiral continuing. We're never in a place without an opportunity for evolution. Mm-hmm. Just what do we do with that? I think because it's remembering that you have choice. Bingo. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes we create a story about, oh, this is all happening to me. And it, why me? Oh, why me? Um, <laughs> whereas if we can say like, oh, hold on a minute. The most, so yes, I feel shitty. And yes, I feel like this is happening to me. I'm creating a story about this. Okay, great. So what would I like this to look like instead? And, but we have to have that moment of realizing that we've created the story and that we are having this woe is me idea. We have to have that awareness before we can choose differently. And so, so much of the work that we have to do just in our own path is to have that awareness of self, of when we're kind of veering off, when we're creating stories, when we're moving away from our essence. Because like our truth is simple. It doesn't need to create a story, but ego is very, very clever and it can distract us with a million different things and pull us away from our path because it's told us these awful things are happening to us when in fact they're happening for us. Serena, that, that's what I always say. I just say flip your preposition mm. from two to four. I really think that's the magic. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Switch it from two to four. You know, that ego is what's going to take you into the fear and the shame and the guilt. And then th- there's no growth there. There's just no. existing and it's uncomfortable. And it slows everything. It because does. when we when we're really like in like our own growth and expansion, the trajectory tends to be very fast. Like I find like mine goes like rocket ship and then limbo and then rocket ship and then limbo. But when we start getting rooted in fear, in an, every, anything ego, anything that's not love, when that becomes our anchoring energy, now you've got a massive weight on your rocket ship and she's just not going as high or as fast or as far as, as you have the potential to go because it's being weighed down by whatever that other ego emotion is. Which is not to say the ego emotions don't have their place. I wrote a book about anger. Like I'm very much here for all of it. And I think we have to bring all emotions to the table. But there's a really big difference of feeling an emotion and and taking a lesson from it instead of identifying with an emotion and making that your way of life. Ooh, I love that. I was just thinking this morning, actually, I think it was. These days get long sometimes, but I believe it was this morning. I was just thinking about this idea of lack. We're in the process of moving. And so when you're packing and selling a house and you don't have like, let's say your next destination, you're not sure where you're going to live, you're in this whatever. And and what I've learned is that it always works out. I just have to trust. But, and <laughs> as part of my intentions or my prayers, I just say, let me make decisions from a place that of abundance and not lack. Because I do know that my story of lack can come into play. And if I start living that story, then this whole experience looks very different than if I keep myself out. Now, that doesn't mean I'm ignoring it. It comes up, it looks at me, and I have to ask myself, am I am I doing this from a place of lack or am I doing, you know? And then if it's lack, then I'm like, all right, got to take a step back. Got to take a step back. I said that the other day where, you know, we're getting ready to accept offers and things on the house. And I was like, don't let me ex- do this from a place of lack, <laughs> you know, because my stress pushes me there. 
into the not enough or it's not going to work out or the whatever, even though my experience doesn't. So see, here we are having learned a really interesting thing that if I trust spirit's going to support me, I, I'm a competent, empowered human being that makes good choices. And yet, <laughs> and not, but, <laughs> <laughs> and yet <laughs> that still dances around me and have to be really aware of it. It's, it is a lot. It's constant work. You said we never stop. No. And you're human, right? Like this is kind yeah. of the point. Like our souls chose not just these lives, but this lifetime, this iteration, these parents, these circumstances, like we chose this for a reason because the lessons our soul came in to learn happen in this classroom. And so when we're trying to wishing even that it was different, it was like, well, if it was different, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be understanding the assignment. Like the whole point that we're here is for it to be this way, which is not to say that like suffering is what we're here to do, but the learning that, that, you know, that, that opportunity brings, that is what we're here to do. When you described your journey as messy at the beginning, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? Because we can say messy and I know what messy looks like for me. And I know what messy looks like. Andrea has talked about what messy looks like for her. What does that look like for you? Like, what did your journey look like? I mean, you don't have to go into details. I'm just curious as to how you define that. So for me, a big part of it is because I had a really chaotic youth. I like, I love certainty. I love control. I feel so safe in those spaces, which is why I stayed so much in the head instead of having it be embodied, right? Because it feels safer up here. And so a lot of times what happens for me, like I said, my rocket ship will go and then I end up in limbo. And when I'm in limbo, it is especially messy because for me, not knowing what is next is chaos. And part of why that's chaos is that I start hunting. And I start trying to control it. And I start trying to figure it out like it's a problem to solve. And that takes me on different paths. It puts me into stories. And then it uses the stories against me later where I go, well, this thing is possible. And it goes, yeah, but look at all these times where it wasn't possible. Look at all these failures you have. And I start to feel really shitty about myself. And then I go, yeah, yeah, but I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Of course it failed. Last fall, I ran what was textbook, a perfect launch for one of my group programs. Because I literally did everything by the book and I had zero signups. And this was like end of September. I full on woe is me. And I was like, I don't get it. I did everything right. Why didn't this resonate? Even people who were interested weren't signing up. Is it the price point? Is it this? Because you go to lack, right? Yep. Uh, and, and then I got a call. I'd been waiting for a surgery for two years. Surgeon tried to blow me off. I said, look, I work for myself. So if you need me here tomorrow, I'm here. And he was like, can you come in on Monday? And I went, Yes. <laughs> so if I had said yes to that program, that's two months. I would not have been available. I couldn't have dropped everything to have a surgery I'd been waiting for. And that the only reason I got it was because I could literally come the next week. And so on the other side of it, I went, well, of course the launch failed because the universe was protecting me to make sure that I could have this surgery available to me. But when mm-hmm. you're in it, you can create so many stories, right? And I think honestly, the the messiness is mostly me of me grasping and trying to figure it out and trying to make it more comfortable or easier. And it's only, I'd say in the last like year and a half, two years, where because we had kind of a miracle situation happen where we had a massive financial windfall, I now am in a place where I didn't have the same pressure of like, oh, we got to make rent. Oh, we got to pay the bills. Oh, blah, blah. like I didn't have any of that anymore. So I had the space to breathe and the space to let it show itself instead of me hustling and trying to figure it out. So I, I am the to make it happen. I am the mess. <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think we're all the mess in our own lives. 
we're the only ones who can make it clean or messy or or both and ride the hill up or claw our way up. <laughs> the number of times where my fingernails have bled from the clawing. Yeah. And the thing that's so ridiculous is if I would have just turned my head slightly to the right, there was a perfectly smooth path. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, fancy that. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> Fuck you, Clear <laughs> So we're there all the time. This is what I've learned about you, Serena, is that you are a person that needs to learn things and experience things the hard way. Is that an accurate statement? I would like to say that that used to be me, and I am trying to unlearn that. I love that. And I think and that I do. It, I love that. Yeah, it's it's tied up, it's tied up to a story of like of having to earn it. And if you don't work hard, then you didn't, you didn't deserve it. Right. Oh, that's I have the same story. That's why I recognize you. Yeah. yeah, It's a, it's a lack story really. What happens is particularly when we have gifts, uh, if you work for yourself, intuitive gifts in particular, but gifts in general, when it comes easy for you, you're like, Oh, well, I don't have to charge that much. Like that wasn't hard for me to do, even though it's highly valuable to somebody else. My original branding package was $500. And when I initially stopped doing branding, it was $3,000. And it was basically the same offering, but me realizing how much impact my work was having. You know, we have to really recognize that just because something is easy for us doesn't mean it's not valuable. And also by that, just because it came easy to us doesn't mean it's not worth having, that we can trust it, even if it's easy. I like that a lot. I have questions. You've Andrea does too. Do you want well, to? I'm, I'm <laughs> contemplating. I'm contemplating that statement. That's all. Well, because <laughs> it's because good. I'm because contemplating too. Well, wait, because I understand that if it comes easily, I get uncomfortable because I have to work hard. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really just thinking, I'm sitting here, they're, they're seeing my face contemplating. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. The wheel's turning. Yes. <laughs> the story that I heard growing up, and this is awful, is if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And that leaves no room for magic, no room for miracles, no room for the universe to show up and just dazzle you and surprise you with something better than you could have ever dreamed yourself. Because then when it does and it offers it to you on a silver platter, you're like, oh yeah, but like, what about this? What about the the the, the strife and the turmoil? How do I earn this? Well, you don't. It's your birthright because you're a child of the divine and you are loved. And then you have to sit there and be like, but that contradicts everything that I have ever thought and felt and learned about myself. So what do I do with this information, right? It's this... That's in the reclamation work. That is in the healing of our own innate worth. And then when you're in that place, it's okay when it comes easy. You can still have that moment of like, is this trustworthy? Is this coming from a source that I recognize and things like that? It's, I think it's good because we live in a 3D world that we still have to be a little bit, I, I hesitate to use the word skeptical, but like just where we glance at it with a skeptic lens. I say logical. Mm-hmm. Logical. Like practical yeah, or logical. We, we have a little spin of that. And then we then we can let our innate trust and faith flow and create the magic. And gratitude. Mm, gratitude. And knowing. Yeah. And knowing that like uh, the things that we are given, especially when we have endured or when we have worked really hard on ourselves and on our path, when things do actually work out, like just to be able to be like, not necessarily I earned this because we, we're not in that kind of exchange with the universe, but to appreciate of like the good that I'm putting into the world is coming back to me too. And being able to be at peace with that instead of questioning it or being suspicious of it. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned reclamation work. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Explain to our listeners what that is. 
So for me, it is going into all the parts of you, full spectrum of emotion, the full spectrum of beliefs. It can be even things like sexual preferences and anything that maybe has like shame or guilt or or should not attach to it, where we have abandoned these parts of ourselves or where we pretend and bury them as though they're not there. And where we can do this work, and it often honestly starts with inner child stuff a lot of the time, because that's where we first begin to learn that we should self-abandon so that we can fit in. It's going back and finding the lost parts and bringing them back and owning them and giving yourself permission to own all of it. And it doesn't mean that you have to share all of it with the world, but it's that you yourself can own your wholeness and be okay with the parts that maybe felt a little bit squiggly because you cast them out for a reason, right? But when you do the work of healing the belief that caused you to cast that out in the first place, when you are looking at things with curiosity and openness and acceptance instead of judgment or shame, then those parts can come back to you and not feel like they should have been cast out. You're almost like, I don't want to, it's not like soul retrieval in the shamanic world, but it kind of is. It, it's uh, it's less energetic and a little bit more intellectual, these parts of ourselves that we've cast out that we want to like bring back in and be whole. Yeah, that makes sense to me though. There's not a lot of focus on that when we're navigating, when you open those spiritual books, right? Not, I mean, I love spiritual books. Don't get me wrong. I have a pile of them. <laughs> They'll talk about the journey. They'll talk about the whatever, but we don't get all the details of it. We don't get to hear what happened in between the jump from A to B, right? Or A to Z in some cases. And I think we do ourselves a disservice, especially for those of us who are teaching or whatever. If we don't talk about, listen, this this was messy and gross. I didn't do it well. <laughs> you know? Took me forever, 2008 to 2020. You know? I was so mad. <laughs> You know. I think that this is, this is why like you guys having this theme is so important because you're having honest conversations so that other people, when they find themselves in the trenches are not like, I'm the only one who's ever been here. Well, no, we have all spent some time in the trenches and sometimes they're deeper than others. And sometimes there's someone on the other side who has a hand there and is ready to pull you up. And sometimes you are clawing your way out. But I think that we need to normalize this, not just for our own uh, wholeness of I don't have to cast these parts of myself out, but for the people who come next, who need to know that there's nothing wrong with them because they ended up there. Right. They didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't like you didn't do it correctly. Mm -hmm. It just it's looks literally like part this. of the process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. At the beginning, we kind of chat, we brushed on this idea of People getting to a certain point, you said, in their spiritual journey and still not feeling fulfilled. They checked all the boxes and they're still not fulfilled. Why do you think that is? Like what what's happening there? I, okay. I know for, for me, it, mine would probably be an easy few sentences because I don't have a pat answer. I have an mm. exploration. I love that you do that. that. That's the curiosity speaking again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for me, I think that it is because there was assumptions that were made about what it was going to look like. And because we, I mean, this is even, it's not even spirituality. We do this even with like success and happiness and whatever the prescription for life is, right? Um, and if you're not defining it for yourself, and if you, like, I remember at one point, even like, sitting in ceremony and like my body was different. Everyone else had like these tiny little yoga bodies. And I was sitting here in this plus size figure and like, you know, we're all wearing white and I'm looking at myself and the white accentuates every little thing. This is before I've done this like reclamation work. So I'm feeling a lot of like discomfort and shame around my body. 
And I'm looking around the room being like, I'm not spiritual enough because I'm not skinny enough. And like those two things have nothing to do with each other, right? But because my first exposure to this work looked a particular way, I thought if I didn't fit that mold, then I was doing something wrong or that it wasn't really meant for me. And it, you know, we have to, it comes back to this idea that we really need to define things for ourselves in order to feel satisfied. And we have to stop looking at things on the outside to dictate that we've made it, quote unquote. You know, that that idea of making it, that's something internally. When you wake up, are you are you proud of the person you look at in the mirror? Are you, you hit the pillow at the end of the night? Are you really happy with how you used your energy that day? And like right now, the only thing I ask of myself each day is that I do my best. And I know that my best fluctuates depending on how much sleep I had and if I've had a coffee and, you know, where it is in my cycle and all these different things, right? Like our best is not one level. It's not one state of being. And so we have to give ourselves the grace to be able to show up to our capacity and not expect more of ourselves on the days when we don't have more to give. No, I really like that. You know, I concur. I have to take a state of curiosity. Or I will always be in my own head. And clearly I'm there often because I am a thinker. I am, think, I, you know, I'm, I am curious and I, I'd like to, when I'm stuck, I want to know why and not because why am I stuck? It's what is this showing me? What is the opportunity here? How am I in my own way? Where can I grow from this place? So I would say that I am in a, because I am all about full disclosure, I am in a time period of my life where everything looks fabulous and everything is pretty fabulous, but my boxes aren't checked. And I know that. And I'm looking at them again through new eyes and I'm saying, why, Andrea? What is it? So I know that it's time again for me to dig deep. And I'm going to use your word to reclaim some pieces that I maybe didn't even realize. You know, when we started, I said, when I met Serena, when we started recording this, she, you know, we just checked in, oh, how's everybody doing? And I said, I'm annoyed today. <laughs> that's, that's literally how I met her. And the comment she made to me was that it, she, well, you can say you found it interesting that I'm so detached from my annoyance. And I am because there's no reason for me to be annoyed. I'm just annoyed today. So, okay, that annoys me, whatever, no big deal. Like, I don't care. And so I'm kind of there again in my, in my life, in my spirituality, in my growth, in my embodiment of all that I am and who that I am. That's an interesting turn of phrase, but what is niggling at me so that I, fill in a new box. Mm. So it almost sounds like your boxes are checked, but there are some, some boxes that are like written in invisible ink. Yeah. And you're trying out. to get like the decoder to come out and figure yeah. out what those boxes are. May I share what it, like the first thing that I'm feeling when you say oh. all of this? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Like I, I don't want to like, just like jump in and like oftentimes when, you know, when we've ticked the boxes and when on paper, everything is great. And we know that intellectually, but we have that feeling there is something that got lost along the way. And it's not necessarily a part of you. It can be. That's why we do reclamation work. But it can also be something that really lit you up, something that was really meaningful. Um, they're showing me even like uh, Brene Brown has this beautiful exercise around like our core values. And it can be 
a value that you maybe had when you were younger or a passion that you had when you were young, something like that, that got lost along the way as you built a busy and fulfill it fulfilling. You know, I use air quotes because right now there's feeling like there's something missing, but overall on paper, fulfilling life. And then it's figuring out what is that, mi- what's the missing piece? And then sometimes it's just doing a little bit of trace back. So you can go ahead and look and say, do I have a value that hasn't been met in my life? And particularly if you can figure out where the branch happened of when it felt good to when it didn't feel good, there's sometimes something in that fork in the road. I totally get what you're saying. This is going to sound so simplistic and it really, it is, but it isn't. I already know the answer. Just you saying that, I get excited. I light up. I'm like, I know. Reading for pleasure. Oh, that's an easy fix. That's an easy fix, but it's not for me. But see, I equate reading for pleasure as, what do I keep saying that I want? Quality life. Oh, quality of life. Reading for pleasure to me is a quality of life. It's a good quality of life. I am not reading for pleasure and I have not for years except here and there. And if we take it back, when I was little, I used to, are you kidding? Who wanted to win every single reading competition? Me. Who won every single one? Me. Right. But look how excited I am just thinking about taking a book and just spending my day reading a book for no reason other than because I want to. So why did you stop? Because my to-do list, all the responsibilities, all the right. We were talking about work, do the work, do it yourself, do whatever, whatever it is, right? Whether scrubbing the floors Mm or whatever it is. Yeah. But that is like my huge block. And that's mm-hmm. so funny. See how simple it is? People are going to laugh and go, really? Really? But but it's bigger than that because it's not because about it's reading a book. It's about exactly. not allowing myself the joy, the value of that quality of life that would equal to reading a book. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. heady, heady people, and I relate to this because I'm also heady, we also get kind of caught up in like productive use of time. Yeah. And and to you know just spend a day reading a book, like how frivolous, right? And I had the same thing for, I, I have the same thing. Who am I kidding? I have days that are better than others. But what I've started looking at is things that are quote unquote, what the ego wants me to believe is frivolous. Uh, I look at those as investments in my energy and in my capacity, because you know what, if I'm in a slump, I'm not going to be productive anyway. I can sit at my desk for eight hours. I'm going to do shit or whatever I create is going to be garbage. But if I go, you know what, it's just not happening today. And I'm going to go and like paint or I, I'm, a, I'm a terrible painter, but I love it. I'll go and I'll paint or I'll read or I'll whatever, whatever it is. I'll play Animal Crossing. And then the next day, because I gave myself the space to not be perfect, uh, I have more energy. I have more capacity and more creativity. Like, it, it, you know, so now I know, you know, calling like time out and taking a break to do whatever the thing is that's actually going to fill the cup, that that's an investment in tomorrow's productivity. Mm-hmm. No, and I agree with you 100% right? But getting from here to there. So that's my simple answer to your question, Jessica. <laughs> and then the answer for me is I get to read a book at some some point. No, I was just, fat. <laughs> I was totally lost listening to the both of you. And it almost sounds like part of it is our need to fill, to check every box. Like who says we have to check all the boxes at the same time, or even within 10 years of each other or 20 years of each other. It doesn't mean that we're failing. It doesn't mean we're not doing something correct. It just means we haven't gotten around to checking that box. Because we're checking other boxes and sometimes those boxes require energy to check and they're very important to us. And we've taken the most important box first. And then when we've kind of done that and some energy loosens up, then we get to do this like 
fine tune work and be like, you know what? I just want to freaking read a book. Like my life would be so Amen. much better if I read a book. I do. Sorry, everybody, <laughs> but I do. Why did and I apologize? Will. Why did I just say I sorry, know. everybody? I take that back. I'm not sorry. I want to read Good. a freaking book. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, she's busy this afternoon, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> a date with her book. Unavailable. Because you've reached that point now where you're able to look at that, whatever that is, whatever that embodies for you. And it makes me realize that that that's where we sort of get caught up, right? When we're we assessing ourselves or our spiritual whatever journey, we're like, I haven't reached this box, this box, this box. And we don't ever, like you said, reflect back and be like, well, look at all of those beautiful checked boxes. That was so much work. <laughs> and we make them mean something, right? The ones yes. that are checked and the ones that aren't checked. Correct. You know, we at the start of the call, we talked about this. It was supposed to be a retreat, but it was basically an initiation that I went on two weeks ago. And that was a beginner level class. The person running that class used to be my client. I helped her build this class like four years ago. And for some reason, even though it was an intro level class this year, I was like, I think I need to take that. And there are people who have literally like just started their spiritual path and they're all different levels. But then there's me who's been doing this for 15 years. And our ceremonies all looked a little different, (laughs) but it was the most intense ceremony I've ever had in my entire life. And it's because I needed to go back to basics. So it's almost like I had to wipe all of those checkboxes clear and be like, look at these, look at things through this like beginner lens. And it meant that I could go deeper because I wasn't caught up in the, well, this is what I know to be true. And this is, I already know these things. And she would give us content each month. And it's, you know, when we're talking about the chakra systems and whatever, I'm like, yeah, like, I know, I know this, but the being held in community to experience sisterhood, to go through that type of vulnerability and to not be caught up. I, I started in shame and I immediately got, I got pulled out of shame in about 15 minutes. And then the next like 10 hours was me just surrendering. And that wouldn't have been possible before because I needed control. And so now I could go into this thing of beginner mindset and feel safe enough to 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 let it be exactly what it needed to be. And it took me where I needed to go, but that wouldn't have been possible if I went into it with everything that I already know and everything I already assume. Oh my gosh. We say this all the time in our classes. Ding, ding, ding. With our clients <laughs> in the collective. <laughs> there is no such thing as going back to basics because the basics aren't really basic. They're ever unfolding and you're revisiting them from a different part of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. So you're always a beginner. If you don't have a beginner's mind, it may hinder your curiosity, (laughs) your ability to experience and evolve. Because if you feel that it's not for you or you're more advanced than that or whatever, then you don't have an opportunity to spiral into the learning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when ego has you, right? Mm-hmm. Because ego has you identify with everything that you've done, all the boxes you've checked, the certificates on your wall, and the courses you've completed. And we kind of build a persona and that persona blocks our next level growth because we are so busy caught up in like, you know, strutting our feathers of everything that we have accomplish that it's like, that is all we will accomplish if we can't open up to new. My very first business coach, I remember she would say things. I'd be like, well, I already know that. I already know that. She was like, if you had nothing to learn here, you wouldn't have paid me this money. (laughs) 
And I had to kind of check myself, you know, and there was because I'd had these stories about, well, I've already taken this class and I've already learned this thing or yeah, but I have all this experience. And she was like, who cares? Your experience got you to here. Where do you want to go from here? And so long as you're hung up on like everything that you've already done, you can't go any further because you're attached to that way of being. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. But the evolution will get so uncomfortable when you stay in the status quo that you will have to shift and grow eventually. Yes. My experience. Gross. <laughs> if you choose to, hopefully. And there's the answer to your 2008 to 2020, right? You had to stay in that whatever energy you were in. That's where you were. You weren't ready to receive it until it was time to happen. And doesn't that happen? You know, like I know I I have information I have information. I can just say that, but it's from my guides and my Kashic records. I have information that I've known for years and I know it's going to happen. I've seen it happening, but I'm so detached from the timeline because who am I to dictate? I mean, I'm responsible for it by the choices I make and the steps that I take and the things I say yes to and the things I say no to. But other than that, it's it's a sacred contract between me and the universe. And I just have to trust that to unfold in the highest good. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And it's scary because, well, for someone like me, I like to be in charge. And I have to remind myself multiple times, why do I think I know better than God about when this is supposed <laughs> to happen? Like, how arrogant. It's a question. Human, you know? <laughs> Oh, those humans. Yeah. Right. Like, cause we don't, we don't know. We don't know what timelines, we don't know what the impact of these beautiful things happening to us are. And I think what happens is we put in the work and we feel entitled. <laughs> like I hate to admit that about myself, but sometimes I do where mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I show, and I've said to my guys, I show up for you every day. I'm not asking for much. And it's like, okay, well then just sit back and receive it. <laughs> like just wait. <laughs> and I also get hung up on how it has to happen. Like, I found this a lot with my business. I had, you know, I had these ideas of, you know, all this financial success and how it was going to come from me. And there were certain like financial things that felt like inevitabilities, but I did. And I assumed it was somehow going to be me. And then it ended up kind of coming through, but it came through my wife's channel. And I was sort of like, but I'm the one who's been working on it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still the benefactor. And I still couldn't, there was a little part of me in the moment that couldn't appreciate this beautiful gift that was given to me because I didn't create it myself. And my guides were like, Serena, come on now. (laughs) You know, because it's the story. Yeah, no, it is the story. It it is the story. And, And because you get caught in the story, then you almost miss the miracle. Mm-hmm. My word of the year was miracles. People are probably sick of me talking about it. It's been one of the hardest years of my life. I think I could say safely. I'm not going to say the hardest year I will ever have, but it is up to this point, one of the most challenging years I've had in my life. And and it was such a weird word to pick, knowing, starting a year, knowing where we were starting. But it was because I didn't want to move into that story that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stay aware and cognizant that no matter what was happening around me, that miracles still happen. I see them every day, multiple times a day. They freaking light me up. Yesterday was on the phone chatting with Andrea. I have these gorgeous zinnias that grew themselves from seeds from last year. And I just popped up. They were just magically popped up out of nowhere. And this beautiful butterfly, yellow and black, and just the size of my hand was like feeding off these flowers that I didn't plant, 
but that bring me such joy. And I was just sitting there talking to someone who I love dearly. I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a miracle in this moment, right? It's such a miracle. If I had come from a different mindset, it would have just been another day outside and really hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we miss the miracles, especially we when we are, when we have stories and, or if we, if we even have a story about like what a miracle looks like showing up. I mean, I grew up Catholic and so, you know, miracles were, Me too. you know, like people coming back from the dead and water what? under wine and, you know, a couple <laughs> of loaves and fishes feeding 5,000 people. Like those were miracles, but yeah. Similarly, yesterday I was on the phone with my aunt and we were talking about my cousin who passed away last year. And out of nowhere, two hummingbirds show, I never see them together. Two hummingbirds just popped out of a tree, did this little dance together and then like buggered off. And I was just like, huh, that was really cool. And my aunt was like, I bet you that was Chris. I'm like, yeah, I think so too. You know what I mean? It's in these moments that, you know, if we don't, first of all, we don't stop and actually look at the things happening around us because we're so attached to our phones or so attached to our stories. And secondly, where we can recognize that this beautiful moment is a message, is a nudge, is a gift from the divine. You know, we need to have that awareness so that we can recognize it when it happens. Yeah. So are there any practices or specific techniques that you personally use to navigate the messy parts and the painful parts of this like self-exploration journey? Um. So there's a few things. Uh, one, I get Reiki every month and I don't do that necessarily just for the messy parts, but it's just to kind of keep me in check in general, in balance. I also do a lot of work of just tuning into myself. So I have a one page a day journal that I use and it asks me specific questions that I, like I made the book myself. So it asks me specific questions so that I'm starting that day mindful and aware and again, these aren't even like these things are things I use for day to day life. This isn't actually just for the messy parts. I think what happens is sometimes we think, oh, I need these tools for the messy parts. And what we really need is a practice so that when the messy parts happen, it doesn't steal our peace and we can get more comfortable with limbo. So I used to be someone who only meditated when things were really shitty. And now I try to meditate. Well, I don't do it as often as I'd like, but I still do it like every week, a couple of times. And building that relationship with yourself, knowing what your energy is and maintaining your energy, those are things that you need to do, not just to ride out the hard times, but just so that the hard times are bearable. We have to stop treating it like uh, like triage. It's not triage. It's it's how we live and breathe. Mm-hmm. And then you're prepared when it does get messy because you've you have the tools and you've worked your muscles and you know what to do. Yeah, you're not scrambling saying, what do mm-hmm. I do? You're looking at your beautiful tool chest and being like, Maybe it's EFT today. Mm-hmm. And then you tap and you still feel shitty and you go, maybe I got to play my singing bowls. And then mm-hmm. maybe that doesn't do it. And you're like, maybe I need to burn some Palo Santo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, you, but because you've built a relationship with each of these tools, you have things in your arsenal that you can try. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, testing it for the first time when you don't even know if that tool is actually useful for you because you're in crisis. We need to treat our spirituality not as something that we do, but something that we live, like who we are. Yes. Yes. We were just talking about that today also. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All the themes are no. being repeated. It's perfect. I know. It's an interesting day. <laughs> and my annoyance was about not being able to read a book. So here we go. Message received, everybody. <laughs> uh, can I actually just add one other little nudge about the books? Yeah. I, I also used to be a book reader. And not only was I not making space for books, but when I would try, I couldn't stay focused. I think I might have ADHD. I don't know. Audiobooks turned out to be my way of being able to reconnect with it. And I will sometimes need to do, because I'm very busy in the head, I need to like color or 
doodle. So, so I do something tactile while I'm listening. So for some reason, that pairing of the mind and the body together has made it easier for me to, I guess, listen to books instead of read them. Um, but I'm able to experience books for pleasure that way in ways that like my busy head wasn't allowing me to, even when I did give myself the space to have it. Oh, I like that. I actually, I actually have the same thing when I'm mm. taking classes or watching classes or li- listening to calls, I have to doodle or color or take really extensive notes to stay with it. And it's mm-hmm. just a tool that I've figured out about myself. I, I used to judge myself like, why can't you just sit still and listen? Well, because I can't. So now how do we make this happen? <laughs> and that's, it works really well for me too. I'm a, I'm a super fast typer. And I, when I would yeah. take notes in college, typing them, I didn't remember shit. Like I, there is something about me being able to take in information when it's tactile with my hand. Mm-hmm. And when and I love to color. I have a whole thing of, I, I never, I was coloring for adults before coloring for adults was cool because I never stopped coloring. Um, but no, I actually <laughs> am very good at, fortunately, grabbing a book and I like the book and just curling up and I shut out, the problem is I shut out the whole world. That's Don't, not a problem. That's a I was going to say, what's the problem with that? I, I, well, there we go. It goes back to my story. Oh, I'm being so called out. <laughs> with love, with love. <laughs> with love. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, whatever tool or practice you use and, and whatever box you're trying to check or whatever intention you're trying to fulfill, like Serena said, having something daily allows you to see when you're creeping towards things that you may not want to creep towards. So rather than having to go all the way into it up to your neck, maybe you only go up to your ankles because you can catch it because you're using these daily practices, these spiritual practices, these tools when you don't think you need them. And friends, let's be honest, how often do you like, fine, everything's fine. And it's like a dumpster that's on fire going down a flooded street. And you're like, no, it's still fine. <laughs> you know, like I think those daily spiritual practices and techniques and things help keep us aware. And I love that you do that in the morning just to what's happening with Serena today. Let's yeah, find that, out. <laughs> and the recovery is faster. Like you, you is. might still end up being like ankle deep yeah. or we or waist deep in, in whatever it is, but you bounce back and you have, you have better resilience, but also better trust in yourself to weather the storm because you've yeah, weathered so you before. Panic. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, you, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> I've been here before and I got through it and everything was okay. And you know, yep. that, that patience with yourself is really huge. And I think that the thing I know I used to get really hung up on the idea of a morning routine and it felt hard. Uh, and that's why this idea of a page a day came to me because I needed it to be really simple. And so when I prepared my page a day, I asked my guides, I was like, okay, like, what do you want this to be? What do I need to check in with myself about? And there was a card pull, there was a gratitude check. And then one of the section was, uh, where will I bring fun in today? And I felt really called out about that. I was like, excuse me. And they were like, mm, sometimes you don't really make room for fun. Sometimes you're a little bit in your head and you're very serious. And I was like, I was all offended. And I sat with it and I'm like, oh no, that's true. <laughs> the fact that I'm offended right now, <laughs> that's evidence that this is true. So that's what I do. I ask myself every day. And it, I hate to say this, but it is the part that is the hardest box to answer each and every day. Ooh. Where will you? Where will you bring the fun? Yeah. And I'm I love a fun that. person. I'm a fun person. And yeah. it's super hard to just commit to say up front, I declare that there will be fun in this particular capacity. And it's hard. Isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating. It. And sometimes you just go with the the spot. When I feel like things are stagnant, not fun, I just start singing. I sing everything I say. Mm. I stop talking 
and I make it all a song. I sing to the dog. I sing to the birds. I sing. I just, I don't know, but I'm a little silly sometimes. I think we're living the same life. Yeah. I have like, I have 12 songs about my cat that is just about feeding her every day. And sometimes it's just her (laughs) name that I say in different ways. Right. And so yeah. I feel so seen because I just sing to my dog like his I made up a theme song for him this morning as if he had his own television yeah. show. <laughs> as he greeted me, I was like singing it. And I was like, and this yeah. is Atlas's theme song. I mean, a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. It's a little dose of fun and play yeah. in the middle of, you know, everything we're going through our day. Everything. Mm-hmm. You know, for that. me, I used to uh, when we're talking about lack, I used to have this. And sometimes I still do, but I would have anxiety about paying bills. Because that had been historically like such a big thing. And it's still biologically in me. Um, And then I, this was a few years ago, I had this thing and I can't carry a tune. Sorry, guys. But I would say, I pay my bills with ease and grace. I pay my bills with ease and grace. (laughs) And I would pretend I was a Disney princess as I'm doing online banking. Like it was this ridiculous thing. I love that. But it shifted it. It It shifted it. Yeah. It's, you know. Where are you going to find the fun? It would have to shift it. So there's the answer. How do you get through messy? You just sing through it. I pay my bill, right? It's perfect. You give your mess its own theme song. Yeah. I'm in. Sign me up for that one. Oh my gosh. We could turn that I into the best workshop. 100%. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. The seeds have been planted. Sorry, friends. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Serena, thank you for being the fun today. Can I just oh, tell you that? It's my honor. It yeah, I'm not annoyed anymore, Serena. Thank you. Well, that's because you're going to go and have a date with your book and that's all you needed. Yes, it, in the future, I'm going to have a date. You know what? I even know I'm going to make the date. I'm going to write it down. Day of reading. What if you wrote down like more than one? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I know, like just live large. Right. Just, we're getting buck wild now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it y'all. was so lovely to meet you and chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, this was thank such you. a delight. And thank you guys so much for facilitating conversations about the realness of this instead of the love and light bullshit we've all been fed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Serena, where can people find you? I am on most social media channels as at Serena Myers. I am the host of the Confessions of a Former Mean Girl podcast. And I have a sweet little online community called the Sacred Soul Sisterhood, which is specifically for women who are on the journey to becoming uh, the truest version of themselves. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Y'all, thanks for joining us on this week's podcast episode. We would love to hear about your spiritual evolution and maybe some of the messy parts and what you do when you get to the messy parts. Uh, So feel free to tag us at Adventures with Spirit Official on your favorite social media platform so that we get to see and hear you too, because that's important to us. Have a wonderful week and enjoy the adventure. Thanks for being a part of today's Adventures with Spirit. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We'd love it if you left a review. Visit our website at adventureswithspirit.com to subscribe to our newsletter, submit a question, check out classes, and schedule your own personal reading with us. Follow us on Instagram at Adventures with Spirit Official for more inspiring content. Until next time, let spirit guide your adventure.